0: Blaze Radio Network. And now, Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Podcast Network. This is the podcast where you find that voice of reason the voice against political islamism the voice that recognizes that we need to reform the ideologies within the rubric of islamic theology that feed and fuel theocratization regimes like Iran Saudi Arabia muslim reform, muslim islamist movements like the Muslim Brotherhood, Jama'at, Islamiyah, and others, are major threats existentially and directly to the security and survival of Western civilization. And uh, ultimately, we also talk about regular, everyday politics, healthcare, and other things. You know, here, as the country sits on the edge of our collective seat waiting for some of the results, um, they may... Be a landslide in which we shift, and there are some who may see that uh, maybe Democrats, but yet want the Republicans to win because they like to see gridlock. They feel that government can only, as in the words, in the paraphrased words of President Reagan, that uh, government isn't the solution; it is the problem, and uh, ultimately. The more that paralyzes it, the better. Now, it has some functions that it needs to do. Obviously, border security, security against radical Islamism, terror groups, the protection of our borders, the protection of our citizens and our country against threats like China, Russia, and otherwise. These are all things that, whether you're right or left, you want to believe that a stronger America... Is safer, a stronger America is more apt to continue to to lead the world in ingenuity, in in uh, innovation, and a vast number of areas in free markets and otherwise. But now we'll see. Fingers crossed. Again, the the edge of the elections, whether it's a far leading edge and those. Campaigns that are now closed and have basically conceded to those that uh, they tell us are going to take days to find out. I know you're listening because you want to get a break from the election uh, discussion, and uh, thank you for joining me. And I want to talk to you about a couple things. As you celebrate the election of conservatives, for example, is what's happening. Do the conservatives really get it? A a long time we thought that when the far left was an alliance with the Islamists, that somehow that basically told us that it must be that the conservatives get it, that they are not beholden to the Islamist lobby. Well, it may be sad to say, and this is obviously some of us have been concerned about this, as uh, those of us that are involved in local regional and national politics will tell you that uh, one of the long-held secrets on the right that I think needs exposure, and Sam Westrop and focus on Western Islamism went a, a long way into exposing the reality. And there's an amazing piece that's out last week, called The Conservative Islamist Alliance from Focus on Western Islamism. And it's not just Sam Westrup; it's Dexter Van Zyl and all of the researchers at uh, the Middle East Forum, which is an indispensable source for those working to expose the Islamist roots around the world, and especially in America. And I'll walk you through a lot of this great work published on October 25th, 20. 22, they start with a discussion of what's happening in Dearborn, in which a long-held deep pathological alliance between the far left, namely Rashida Tlaib, and the progressivists. Islamists has been exposed, but it doesn't stop there. Yes, believe it or not, the right has joined And then they chronicle some of the history of the growing alliance on the right. And why does this happen? Well, as as you may know, Islamists have sort of had this bizarre relationship with the left. Bizarre because, if anything, the Islamists are the extreme version of certain values that some associate with the right. So whether it's traditional family values and and Thus, those who have not studied the issue will say, "Oh, they must; the, the, these Muslims must be must be uh, open to working with us on the conservatives because they are against uh, gay rights and for family values, or they are uh, uh, against these radical feminists and for traditional uh, family modeling and, and other things. Uh, and then, oh, uh, they they uh, must be about uh, against pornography and etc., etc. But traditional conservatism is a lot deeper than that. It's also a lot more educated, a lot more um, nuanced. And, and and we can get into the machinations of what the realities are about being a conservative, how uh, they're obviously the, the left purports conservatives who... Adhere to a concept of traditional family values might be perceived as not being about the equality of men and women, uh, or if they may be pro-life means that somehow uh, they are against bodily autonomy of women. All these things that need a much deeper, more thoughtful conversation. But at this point in today's conversation, what I want to, I pray that you understand is that if they claim those Muslim movements, the groups to be pro-life, if they claim to be about family values, make no mistake, you need to vet them about Islamism. Because there is no friend, no different than the Islamists on the left claim to be about equality and about minority rights and thus, thus they, they bond themselves with Black Lives Matter and with progressive feminists and others. The reality is when push comes to shove inside the mosques they reject feminism. They reject gay rights. They reject the equality of men and women. So thus they are the enemy of those who purport to work with them hand in hand marching in the marches down the streets that were part of Black Lives Matters and others. Now on the right the same deception is happening, and as Focus on Western Islamism exposed last week, their piece pointed out, for example, and started in Dearborn, and said, In October, Muslim protesters descended on successive meetings of the Dearborn Public School Board to demand the removal of LGBTQ books that promote pornography and homosexuality from Dearborn school libraries. Videos revealed angry scenes in overcrowded rooms with loud jeers and booing, Directed at speakers and school board officials, while placards in Arabic and English featured denunciations of the big sin of homosexuality and the grooming of children. And the two leaders that asked for this demonstration were Hassan Kazwini and Dawood Walid. Dawood Walid, I've talked about many times, and as focus on western islamism points out he's the head of the muslim, of the Michigan chapter of the council on american islamic relations a hamas front group a muslim brotherhood front group and he has also been deeply deeply anti-american separatist in his uh, ideas that he pushes forth where he's included uh, defending an imam luqman who uh, was um, sought for arrest in michigan and ultimately had to be gunned down because he was harboring numbers of arms and, and other things, and yet care came to his defense in, in a horrific chapter of representation of Muslims in, in the Detroit area. I'll let you look that up: Imam Luqman and care and what happened somewhere on 10. Years ago or so. But the bottom line is, Dawood Walid also has attacked Ahmadiyya minority. He has attacked, and I mean verbally, um, and in uh, uh, that verbal attack, has uh, uh, basically stated that they are uh, not Muslims and, and other aspects to their belief system, clearly, repeatedly advocating ideas that are Islamist, that are oppressive and far from anything conservative and also far from anything progressive. And yet he's worked with the progressivists. And now, Hassan Kazwini, the head of the Islamic Institute of America, a Shia mosque in Dearborn Heights, also has had some conservatives snowed. And as Focus on Western Islamism points out, both are well known for their radical links In 2010, Khazouini hosted a memorial service for Muhammad Hussein Fadlallah, the late spiritual leader of the designated terrorist group Hezbollah. And they they point out also that... uh, um, They say, quote, "...most protesting were young men, some led by Muslim religious leaders, a contrast to the largely Christian groups that have led other efforts to restrict books." In Michigan libraries so now they're talking about censorship which listen if those books are critical race theory issues etc it does need to be exposed that they're there nobody's talking about censorship for that but what needs to happen is exposure but these are the wrong ambassadors for the anti-critical race theory movement if that's what this is though that language has never been used And it's interesting that with the Islamist agendas, focus on Western Islamism goes on to say at a second meeting on October 13th, the protesters were joined in their efforts by Republican Party officials, including Trump-endorsed candidates such as the Republican nominee for Secretary of State, Christina Caramo, and the Republican nominee for Attorney General, Matthew DePerno, who told media, I think you're probably seeing a shift in the Republican Party. Indeed, Detroit Free Press reporter Naraj Rouroukou reported that state rep Matthew Maddock called for Muslims and Christians in Dearborn to work together to oppose certain books and educational materials. Fascinating. You know, listen, as, as a conservative, I, I, I hope and pray that, he, you know, that movement can start getting its head around what's an Islamist and who's our real friends and who are not. The Islamists that might say one or two things that might sound like they resonate, don't resonate. Maddox said in his tweet, Democrats have a big problem. Over 800 Muslim and Christian parents showed up to protest the sexualization of their kids in Dearborn public schools. They're going to vote Republican, he said. And now they're taking credit both giving credit to the Islamists who made those people show up. This wasn't this wasn't red, white, and blue versus red, green axis on the left. The red, white, right, and blue axis that I call for is one in which patriotism is first, is one in which constitutionalism is first, is one in which conservative values of smaller government free markets, free speech, First Amendment, Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. National security issues, those are front and center based on principled issues, not based on Islamist theocratic dogma that would work with anyone, even though they might hate the foundations upon which American conservatism is based. Focus on Western Islamism goes on. Trump supporters across Twitter posted photos of Muslim and Christian parents in Dearborn joining together to protest against LGBTQ education in their schools. How naive can they be? I mean, talk about a setup. Talk about a, you know, what's the old saying? Shooting something in a can? You know, the the bottom line is, is like, uh, 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 it, it can't be this easy that anybody can come up and all of a sudden start saying stuff. You know, and we see this sometimes, And, uh, you know, I've been critical, for example, of Tulsi Gabbard. It's not just about Muslims. Tulsi Gabbard might say the right things about leaving the Democratic Party. Sure, give her a, a platform about leaving the Democratic Party. But please don't tell me she's a conservative. She's a Bernie Sanders socialist when it comes to economics and other things. So, all right, some of what she says might resonate. But we need to have some foundational clarity on what it means to be a conservative. And now more importantly, getting back to the Islamists, the Islamists have a worldview that is incompatible with American patriotism, American national identity, and incompatible with true conservatism. And yet, Dinesh D'Souza concluded recently, he said, I think what we see here is that the, there is a limited opportunity for conservatives to ally with conservative Muslims to defeat the left across the board. Uh, no, they're not ready for prime time, Dinesh. And Dinesh, your book—what's great about him? What's so great about America was one of my formative books when I was young, about what it means to be a conservative. Now, obviously, he's come out all, all in for the the Trump movement, and I've talked about some of that. But the bottom line is, is these are conservatives in America right now, many of whom, and it seems that there's no vetting going on about Islamism, and this is dangerous for. The left and poses huge danger for the right, blind to the realities of what political Islam and its adherence to global movements like Hezbollah, Iran's government, Pakistan's Jamaat Islamiya movement, the Diobandi movement there, the Wahhabi movement in Saudi Arabia all of the islamist movement in turkey the muslim brotherhood in egypt these are massive political islamist movements and these individuals they're working with never said anything against that movement never said anything to identify that those islamist movements are anti-american antithetical to the ideas that we believe in and yet they're working with them and as Focus on Western Islamism points out, events in Dearborn are not a lone example. Increasingly, the right's approach to Islam and Islamism is changing. Concomitantly, many Islamists no longer regard the left as a useful ally, but a harmful influence. And Focus on Western Islamism points out further that before 9-11, it was pretty reliable that the Muslim vote, the Islamists, who were active on the Muslim vote, uh, could turn out for conservatives. And then that shifted during, not during Bush 2000, but during the Kerry-Bush election, in which somehow the Islamists started to feel that a alliance with the conservatives was no longer fruitful because of what could reshape The influence in Muslim majority countries and especially against the Iraq War, and ultimately their anti Semitism and anti Americanism dominated what they participated in as far as domestic politics here in America. And part of that, as they point out, George Bush explicitly sought out Muslim leaders. He was urged by David Graham. He was urged on, I'm sorry, as David Graham writes Grover Norquist, the anti tax crusader who argued that because Muslims are a socially conservative, family oriented, business friendly group, they are a natural GOP constituency. Oh, well, okay, so how does Islamism fit into that? Well, my guess is that Mr. Graham did not talk about that. This strategy proved particularly important in Florida, a state which won George Bush the presidency by a mere 537 votes. However, as with so much political outreach to Western Islam, imprudent politicians and their campaign managers ended up choosing Islamist partners. After all, it was the Islamists as innately political actors who appeared best prepared to provide political support, notwithstanding their actual mandate as They point out and focus on Western Islamism pointed out the relationship with el Arian, who campaigned, yes, campaigned with then-Texas governor, and uh, um, noted that uh, campaigned for Republicans in mosques across Florida also. And only a few years later was charged with conspiring to provide funds to Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a designated Palestinian terrorist organization and he had been under surveillance for a decade. Grover Norquist has his own sordid story. Closely involved in Islamist circles, apologizing for them. Worked not just El aryan but also the Muslim Brotherhood-linked SAR network, S-A-A-R, Virginia businesses, nonprofits that federal investigators later targeted in huge terror finance investigation. Norquist was also close to Abdurrahman Al-Amoody, an Al-Qaeda fundraiser, jailed in 2004 for conspiring with the Libyan regime to assassinate the Saudi crown prince. And he was found carrying hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash through airports obtained from the strongman, dictator, tyrant, Gaddafi. And I think the nexus now, the switch back and forth. Now, I've always argued, by the way, that this politics of convenience that the Islamists who um, are, are trying to appear that somehow they they love the far left and the progressivism. It's all just fake. it's 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 contrived and a, a complete fabrication. Uh, but that th- that politics, the reason it's not identified in an ideology is because the islamist ideology has nothing to do with the core principles that really animate the left versus the right in america and i've said them before small government large government entitled programs entitlement programs versus free markets socialism versus free markets uh, gun rights versus gun control free speech versus control of speech all of these things, national security versus disarmament and appeasement, these are the things that can define left versus right in America. The Islamists, their worldview is not based on any of the, these things. The Islamist worldview is about Dar al-Islam, Dar al the land of Islam, the land of war, and then the land of contract, which is somewhat in between where they, they say, well, they follow the laws of the land, they're not anarchists, but if they become a majority in areas where they are, like Dearborn and elsewhere, they will invoke their control and their sharia ideas versus Western liberalism. And so so ultimately, the, their worldview is about giving clerics, the, remet, the scholars, the room, the space to run society, to rule as the derived rights, not from God, but the derived rights from the ulama, from the scholars, from the Qur'an, as they see it, as they only interpret it. That is their goal. Now, what, how that shapes up, how that manifests, they actually don't know. They're pretty sure that it includes controlling women's bodily autonomy. They're pretty sure it includes controlling most speech, that it includes torturing those that uh, are, are against their theocracy, uh, uh, counting them as traitors, as um, seditious in their acts as Muslims against the Islamic State concept. This is what their worldview is. And then combined together, states can form caliphates. They don't care about the conservative versus liberal ideas that animate our own politics here in America. And ultimately, focus on Western Islamism hits the nail on the head. It says, such efforts have not been limited just to Islamist networks, such as the Muslim Brotherhood. A new generation of modernist Salafists, I call neo-Salafists, has come to the fore, especially as the power of the Muslim Brotherhood has waned in recent years with the collapse of some of its branches in the Middle East. And these neo salafists are like Hamza Yusuf, Zaytuna Institute, and um, also Al-Maghrib Institute, which is Yasir Qadi's outfit. These are neo salafists who reject political Islam per se, but yet would love to help ascend in an Islamist theocracy. So, Uh, You know, one of the same people say, what are Salafists versus Islamists? You know, this is all getting dizzying. First of all, the terms. Islamist is a political grassroots movement of those who want to see an Islamic state. Salafist, Salaf means friend of the Prophet. So those who want to return to the way it was at the time of the Prophet, which was an Islamic state, but not virally. It was run by clerics, by ulama. So it's more of a a top-down phenomena. And the best saying I ever heard was Egyptian, in which it said, Islamists use religion to get political control. Salafists use politics to get religious control. So Salafism is about religious control. Islamism is about political control. At the end, there's so much overlap in their circles that it's sort of dancing on the head of the pin as to the difference. One is corporate top-down, the other is bottom-up, but it's the same Kool-Aid. These modernists, as they note in FWI, is just a few years ago urged Sharia-based punishments can now be found protesting federal immigration policies as part of interfaith coalitions or even justifying alliances with LGBTQ+. The other one that's a neo-Celephist is Jonathan Brown, a, a Islamist academic, I think he's at Georgetown, who argues Muslims in the U.S. should affirm and advocate for various LGBTQ rights because Muslims in the U.S. and LGBTQ rights groups seek protection for the same rights and ironically, arguably, have a common vision for the country's, the country's future. This same Brown previously justified slavery and rape within Islam. I kid you not, he did. It's on there, Google it. And I find it linked at Focus on Western Islamism Peace. So, what, what is the dynamic? And that's the part three that the piece gets into, is that the Islamists are throwing off their progressive shackles. They're having a hard time dealing with it after some time now. They noted that the Black Lives Matter movement may violate Islamic moral values and that Islamic leaders would come to regret this over-reliance on the left. Yasser Qadi, one of the most important Muslim voices in the Western world, has lamented the fact that Muslim student groups, progressivist activities, were leading them into sinful ideas such as queer Muslim celebrations. He said, These groups that identify with Trump's racism and bigotry generally would argue would agree with many aspects of our morality and ethics and the groups that want plurality and diversity and would welcome us, even if only for the token diversity, aren't too keen on our exclusivist moralistic values and concrete ethical frameworks. So he basically points out the exclusivism. He points out the fact that they're concrete black and white and he calls them ethical frameworks when in fact I find them unethical. But again to them it's about black and white Quranic literalism, interpretation of what the family is, of what uh, um, those principles are, rather than thinking about human rights-based concepts of ideals of classical liberty, individual rights, that it is not the role of the government to choose these things, and the Islamists refuse to believe but that they are God because they they want to be the government. So they conflate government with God and God with government. It's even further interesting that the the Islamists of the left, whether genuine or not, as noted by FWI, a growing number of activists and purist-minded imams began to argue that such a tight embrace has radicalized their own children into believing that issues such as transgenderism, LGBTQ rights, gender, pronoun, obsessions, and even the right to abortion are all somehow acceptable within Islam. And there you have it. They are growing tired of their allegiance, and now they're switching to the right. And they're going to do the same thing on the right, which is to begin to engage, do so because they claim to have a few issues that they agree with, only to then finally drive enough prominence that will wake up the conservatives. And I beg you, do it earlier rather than late. Engage and learn what their opinion is of American society, of our constitution, what they would do if they were a majority. For example, I've talked to you before here, some conservatives in the school choice movement, I noted after 9-11, a local Islamic school was preaching jihad, was preaching anti-Americanism and supporting the Taliban's mindset and I separated very publicly from them. This was over 20 years ago. And conservatives at the time did not want to expose what was happening in some Islamic schools because, to them, this might somehow weaken the school choice movement. So let's ignore it. And to me, anything that reveals the truth, that engages what is patently obvious, will clean out the, the trash... From the, school, from the school choice movement that is about competition, that is about uh, uh, clarity of, of purpose of education for children versus control by government. And to simply say that somehow vetting our own, whether it's conservative or, or liberal, is sacrificing the entire movement was nonsense. But that's what happened. Nobody wanted to pay attention to that at the time. We'll continue this story next time and thank the folks at Middle East Forum for the strong work they're doing in exposing this and direct you to their site at Focus on Western Islamism. I want to end with a short piece that discussed how the U.S. can help in the Iran protest. They started back in September and have continued in the spirit and the horrific death of Mehsa Amini. And we talked last time about the attempt in Boston by an Islamist city councilwoman to hijack her memory. And the epilogue, by the way, of that story is that there was such an outcry from women's rights activists, especially Iranian women, that the city council rescinded that hijab day nonsense and and recognized their solidarity with the women revolutionaries. In Iran, with women, life, and freedom. So, here, here to the social media, to the the fact that uh, uh, it is not all about leftism and identity politics, and somehow rational. Sometimes, rational debate will win out. What can we do to protect and help the Iranian protests? Um, you know, first of all, this is continuing; they are still continuing small, large protests all over the country, and they haven't stopped. It needs to be covered. So number one, we need to cover the protests. Tell your media, why aren't you covering it? Get the photos out there. They are trying to be suppressed by the Iranian propagandist machine, but they are still happening. There's also persistent incredible reports that Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei is gravely ill, which could lead to a power vacuum in Tehran. If he does indeed die, as the uh, uh, stories recently noted, there may be an attempt supported by his family's influencer, Raisi, to install his son, Mushtawa Khamenei, as his successor. Should this happen, it could provoke fresh outrage and the potential to compound the anger over Mas'a's murder. So, this is important to know because remember, a lot of these demonstrations surprise the West as if we never knew this was going to happen we saw it since 2011 in the arab awakening begin to look at signs that you can predict these things coming second incredible increasingly possible possibility that vladimir putin's invasion of ukraine may fail dealing him a humiliating setback and the shockwaves need to be exploited as they go with one of russia's greatest allies is iran and again there is some propaganda Messaging that can be countered in addition to advancing the fact that again, freedom wins. Third, the Biden administration may want to at least appear to be doing something supportive, whether it's using transformative technology to assist the protesters, uh, uh, helping uh, again, maybe soften a few sanctions that uh, help the people deal with information transmission. Uh, again, that's all important, but then ratchet them back up if the government exploits that. Elon Musk offered to extend the Starlink satellite internet service to Iran. Hopefully he'll continue to do that. And uh, again, these are all very important. And there are a number of other technologies that have been discussed that could be employed in order to help the movement persist. This is just a small amount of things that Uh, Victoria Coates, Senior Fellow in the International Affairs and National Security at at, the Heritage Foundation, and Robert Greenway talked about at Hudson and thanked them for their input. The story cannot go away. It is important if we really believe in women's rights, if we really believe in Muslim reform, if we really believe in trying to end the nuclear capabilities and possibilities of of the Khamenists, then this is the only way to do it. Helping those from within achieve achieve victory in their revolution. That's all I have for you today. Again, I hope this week it's a new morning for American politics. We'll see. And if we don't know, we'll still continue to follow it as closely as we can until the day the last election is done across the country. This is Udi Jasser on Reform this on the blaze podcast network find me on twitter at dr zutty jasser d-r-z-u-h-d-i j-a-s-s-e-r and at reform this radio stream and subscribe to more blaze media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts